Why do you seek the cup of Christ? Is it for his glory or for yours? I didn't come for the cup of Christ. I came to find my father. Hello, movie lovers. Welcome to another episode of Does It Hold Up? The podcast where we talk about some of your favorite movies of all time to decide if they still hold up to today's standards. Basically, would they be made today? Who knows? But we're going to find out. I'm Adam. I'm Emily. And this week we are covering 1989's Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. Yes, The Last Crusade. Normally we cover the first in a franchise, in a Mm -hmm. series. And I said, screw that. Because (laughs) I think this is one of those movies, I don't want to say it doesn't get talked about enough, but I feel like it's not talked about enough when it comes to the Indiana Jones franchise. It's usually all about Raiders. Or all about hating Temple of the Doom, Temple of the Doom, just Temple of Doom. (laughs) And in the middle, people tend to just go, ah, this movie happened. I thought you were totally going to bring up uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So that didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the less we say about that movie, the better. That's fair. I feel like every time anyone talks about Indiana Jones, it is Raiders. Raiders. Yeah. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Raiders is amazing. But this was always my personal favorite growing up. As the years went on, maybe it's not my personal favorite anymore. Yeah. Maybe it is Raiders because I finally understood what the hell everybody was talking about when watching it. (laughs) But there's just always a special place in my heart for this movie. And that's why I wanted to cover this one in particular. Now, when we went to cover this one, what did you realize we just did? We just did another Harrison Ford movie with Star Wars. Luckily, that's not a super Harrison Ford movie. Like he's in it, but he's not like the focus. Yeah. He exists. Yeah. He's the focus in this. Oh, yeah. Or is he? Because my focus always goes to Sean Connery. <laughs> like, I, I will watch that man read the phone book. I do not care. But there are some scenes with just Harrison Ford, so it's got to be his movie. Talking about Sean Connery. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I do, too. All right. You've seen these before, right? I have seen Raiders a couple of times. This one maybe once or twice. And I actually don't think I've even seen Temple of Doom. Watch it. Listen, Temple of Doom is a really weird movie. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean the movie itself. I mean, the, like, the world surrounding it. People liking it, unliking it. Because when it came out, people liked it. They were like, oh, it's like Indiana Jones. We're having fun again, but it's a little weird. And then it, like, over the years got really bad where people were like, that movie is such trash. Oh, my God. How did that <laughs> movie ever get made? And then, like, 15 years went by and all of a sudden people were like, God, Temple of Doom is just so underrated. We love this movie so much. Well, probably because Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out. No, no, and everyone's no, like, oh, about, God. I'm talking about like this is like late 90s, early 2000s before Kingdom came out. People were like, Temple of Doom is good. Hmm. And then all of a that sudden. That all happened within a couple of years, huh? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like five years later, people are like, oh, dude, that movie's such trash again. And you're like, <laughs> can we make up our minds about Temple of Doom, please? Is no. it good or is it not? Honestly, I have no idea where it stands with people right now. So basically, I have to watch it and give yeah. you my quick opinion exactly. on it. Exactly, so yeah. that I'll know if it's good or bad. Where, where are we at with that movie? <laughs> but we're not here to talk about Temple of Doom. We're here to talk about Last Crusade. Here's some fun things about Last Crusade. And when I say fun, I, I find them interesting, right? So Spielberg distanced himself from Temple of Doom after it came out. Hmm. He, he kind of like disowned it in a way. Here's a quote that I grabbed from him in a article in an interview he did with i believe it was premiere magazine back in the day this was like years ago he said quote i wasn't happy with the second film at all it was too dark 
too subterranean and much too horrific. I thought it outpoltered poltergeist. There's not an ounce of my own personal feeling in Temple of Doom. And he is someone who takes massive pride in his work. Like he is, that is him on the screen for pretty much everything he's ever made. Well, that last part, there's not an ounce of my own personal feeling in Temple of Doom. That that struck me when I was reading that. Because I was like, are you serious right now? You can always see a bit of Spielberg in all of his movies. I've gone to see movies not realizing he directed them. And halfway through, I lean over and I'm like, hey, this is a Spielberg film. Yeah. You know, it's a Spielberg film. Yeah. And Temple of Doom isn't isn't all at the same time. But what I think is interesting and the reason I bring that up, even though we're not talking about Temple of Doom, is you can feel it in this movie. Oh, he yeah. took what worked in Raiders and was like, you know, we're going to do it again. We're going to obviously change it up a little bit. We're not going to give you the same story, but we're basically going to go back to punching Nazis, mm-hmm. hunting for a, a thing that people are, are have been looking for for years, you know, because in Raiders, it was the Ark of the Covenant. But yeah. then in Temple of Doom, he, he was looking for something, but then he got sidetracked with like <laughs> fighting voodoo people. It was super weird. But then he came back and it was like, nope, Nazis want the Holy Grail and I got to stop them. I got to get it first. So you can see Spielberg immediately came back to what he liked about the first movie for the finale of the trilogy. I mean, how could you not when you're fighting the Nazis? Yeah. They're the number one bad in all of film. In all of history, maybe. It's a conversation for another time. (laughs) So it does. It just feels like this was a do-over for Spielberg because he didn't like it and critics didn't really like Temple of Doom either. Like it wasn't a complete flop. It still made a lot of money, but it wasn't the biggest hit. It made the least amount of money of all the Indiana Jones films. So basically what I'm hearing is Temple of Doom was just like a dream Indiana had and it didn't actually happen. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Super interesting. And the way it kind of all came together too was the idea of adding Indiana Jones's father was like, A really interesting thing. And what I noticed a lot watching this movie this time, we just, not not just, it's not like we just watched it a week ago, but earlier this year, before the Oscars, we watched The Fablemans. Yeah. Which was a very personal story. It wasn't exactly a biopic, but it was a telling of Spielberg's story. You know, fantasized, but still his story. Man, adding the father in here added a whole new dynamic after seeing his relationship with his father through the Fablemans, Mm -hmm. it made perfect sense. There is so much about these Indiana Jones movies that watching the Fablemans, I'm like, yeah, no wonder he wanted to do these movies. (laughs) I mean, think about the, think about the Fablemans, the movies we watched that kid make. They were Westerns, adventures, finding things, battles, train stuff. Yeah. And then what do we get in the Indiana Jones movies? Action, adventure, fighting, train stuff. I mean, this movie literally starts on a circus train. And the first movie Spielberg saw or the kids saw in The Fablemans had a circus train accident in it. Yeah. Isn't that insane? Watching The Fablemans, I need to, I feel like I need to watch all of Spielberg's movies now just to see how they connect to his story. That's something I noticed this time. And I was like, that's crazy. And I like it. I like it a lot. But what worked is Sean Connery just had amazing chemistry with everybody on screen because he's Sean Connery. I mean, if you can have Sean Connery, have Sean Connery. Yeah, absolutely. But my last piece before we get into the box office and all that stuff is in that same interview, Spielberg talks about while making this movie, he hadn't found his place as a director yet. He still felt like an outsider. He still felt like, I don't really know what I'm doing. And that blew my mind. This is the third Indiana Jones film. You've already made Jaws. You made 1941 before this. Like, 
What do you mean you you were struggling to find your place as a director? It actually kind of works too because Indiana himself is very chaotic and always like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just going to do it anyway. Yeah. So I feel like he poured a little bit of that in there as well. Because he said that, I wanted to take a look at Spielberg's early filmography because for him saying he hadn't found his place yet, he's got a hell of a filmography before this movie came out. So he had Jaws in 75, Mm -hmm. instant classic, 77, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And these are only the ones he's directed, not produced or anything, just directed. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, banger of a movie. 1979, 1941, the movie, fantastic. Then Raiders, then E.T., then Temple of Doom. Then he did The Color Purple in 85, followed by Empire of the Sun in 87. And then he hits us with 1989's Always, which is just a come and gone movie. It was not his best outing. And then he hits us with this one, The Last Crusade. What do you mean you haven't found your place yet, man? (laughs) You did a sci-fi adventure kids movie in E.T. You've done the action adventure with Indiana Jones. You did Close Encounters, which is a space thing. You did a thriller with Jaws. Thriller with Jaws. Then you did serious stuff with Color Purple and Empire of the Sun, which is a war movie. I'm pretty sure you found your place, man. It was making great movies. Okay. In royalty. Yeah. 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 You like were already crowned one of the best directors of all time by the time this movie came out in 89. And just to hear that he was struggling? Like, well, I think that I think that more says something to his character that he wasn't getting like a bloated head because we've seen multiple directors come and go making like their first film is really really good and josh then, trank chronicle yeah and then completely fell apart with fan four stick yeah and it's just so the fact that he was still like doubting himself ha- he pushed himself he had to keep pushing himself because he didn't think he had made it yet yeah i i would love to know if he when he thinks he found himself yeah like what movie was it that put him on the map and said, you know what? I found myself as a director. I'm here. I've arrived. I would love to know. Those are just interesting things about like this movie in that time period for Spielberg, who's one of the top five greatest directors of all time in my book. And I think in a lot of people's books, he's he's one of my favorite director. Yeah. Yeah. So it just, it blows my mind, but to continue on his little journey here, because this was just insane. The run this man went on from when he first started in 75. So Indiana Jones and Last Crusade was 89. That's the movie we're talking about. Two years later, in 91, he gets Hook, which is almost everybody's favorite Peter Pan movie. 93, we get Jurassic Park and Schindler's List. 97, The Lost World, Jurassic Park, and Amistad, which is a brilliant movie. 98, Saving Private Ryan. 2001, AI Artificial Intelligence. 02, Minority Report, and Catch Me If You Can. Dude, that's 75 to 02. He had like one or two misses only. Yeah. What kind of run is that? A massive one. Do you know how many directors would die to have half of that? And that wasn't even his entire career. That was only to 02. That was still 20 years ago. He's made so many movies since. Some misses, some hits. He's he's won Oscars already. Yeah. Crowned king of directors at this point. (laughs) (laughs) It's just crazy. Like he started two freaking production companies during this time. Amblin and DreamWorks and... 2% 2% of his success. I would like 2% of his success during this time frame. I don't even care about the last 20 years. Just this time frame. I would like 2% of his success. You? Oh, any percentage would be better than what I'm at right now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, okay. Got some of that out of the way. I just blew my mind and it sent me down this rabbit hole just looking at Spielberg stuff when I found out what he had to say about this movie. But let's talk box office stuff. So this movie had a budget of $48 million. Domestically, 
it made $197,171,806. Total worldwide, $474.2 million, took in about $277 million internationally. Adjusted for inflation, domestic total would have been $453.1 million in 2022 for this movie. In 1989, where do you think this movie ranked? It was in the top 10. Two. Correct, two. Do you know what number one was? No. Batman 89. (laughs) With 251.2 million. And then it just beat out. And when I say just beat out, I mean by $50 million. It beat out Lethal Weapon 2. That only made 147 million. Hmm. In 2022, it is still in the top 10. Where do you think it is? Six. Ah, a little higher. Number four. Oh, wow. Number four came in just behind Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which was 453.8 million. So only lost to that by 700,000 and pushed Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness down to number five because that only took 411 million. What a a failure that was. How terrible. 411 million. God, that movie was just, uh, just throw it in the trash. Yeah, it's done. It made no money. It's done. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where, that's where he landed. That's a hell of a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Good movie. What was our boy Raj saying about this movie? Well, it makes a lot of sense that it made that much money because CinemaScore has it in an A. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because, yeah. It, it, <laughs> you, you saw Indiana Jones and it was an Indiana Jones movie. So. Absolutely. Uh, Roger, what do you think he gave it? Three and a half. Three and a half. I feel like I don't even need to give a quote yeah, for Yeah, but give it me now. the quote anyway. I want to know which one you pulled. All right. If there is just a shade of disappointment after seeing this movie, it has to be because we will never again have a shock of this material seeming new. Raiders of the Lost Ark now more than ever seems a turning point in the cinema of escapist entertainment, and there was really no way Spielberg could make it new all over again. What he has done is to take many of the same elements and apply all of his craft and sense of fun to make them work yet once again. And they do. So yeah. st- he still had a lot of fun, but yeah, he, he can't make it seem new. No. Again, this story is new, but it, it's a lot of the same beats, a lot of the same ideas as the first one, but it's still a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. Do you ever get mad of like revisiting something you absolutely love? Like I love roller coasters. I don't get mad when I'm going to go on a roller coaster again. Yeah. They're all kind of the same, but they're different enough. So I get it. What it, about Rotten Tomatoes? Where are we at? Rotten Tomatoes, the critics have it at an 84%. Okay. Well, audience has it at a 94%. Ooh. Yeah. Not as big as a divide as I thought there was going to be. Really? I thought by now critics would have had it down in like the low 80s or the high 70s. Oh, it's mostly because only 134 people have reviewed it critically. Yeah. But the audience score is right where I figured it would be. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Already plus 10 because it's a Spielberg film. Got to get that out. <laughs> it already holds up. All right, we're done. All right. <laughs> <laughs> So this movie actually starts really cool for me because we get young Indiana Jones and we get to see his like first adventure but long before he became an adventurer. Yeah. When he's he like, was a like a boy, boy scout. Yeah, yeah. He's a boy scout basically. It, it, probably like an Eagle Scout or whatever at that time being that age. But he sees a bunch of guys stealing or, or uncovering a, a cross and they're going to sell it. And he's like, no, it belongs in a museum. So he fights them for it. Mm-hmm. And young Indy is played by River Phoenix, who is absolutely brilliant he in does this role. Quite a few of the mannerisms perfectly, especially like the running away. Oh my god, he has the whole like running downhill wildly that Harrison Ford does. It's yeah. amazing. It's it's watching young Harrison Ford, to be honest. To me anyway, when I'm watching it, I'm like, this could just be young Ford. He he looks like him, he's gruff like him, he moves like him, he talks like him. 
apparently river phoenix spent a bunch of time on set on the days he wasn't working just to watch ford so that he could match his mannerisms and it paid off i mean that's the level of detail you really want in a movie like this where you have a character that's already beloved and you have to either make them old or young and have a different actor you really want them to focus on what makes that character that character yeah because you can have that not realize that that's actually indiana jones because he doesn't even act remotely like him solo yeah he he was okay the guy who played young han solo in that movie he was he was fine if that was the first introduction to the character it's good yeah but it wasn't the character we knew. It wasn't Harrison Ford. Where if they made an entire young indie movie and had River Phoenix play him, I never once would be like, that's not Indiana, that's not Indiana Jones. I'd be like, damn, how'd they go back in time? Yeah. And get young Indiana Jones. This is amazing. Yeah. He's that he's that good. It's you can see the qualities of somebody who's going to be a major star, except for the fact that tragedy struck like four years later. Yeah. And we unfortunately lost him very young at like 23 years old. One thing that I want to talk about in this time frame, though, yeah. is how campy this movie can be. Because Good honestly, both. Okay. Because honestly, one of my first notes is gotta love an evil guy snicker because <laughs> he looks in on them and they're all doing that. <laughs> like they should have been twisting like mustaches or something. Like something about it was so campy. Like you've seen that in some kid's cartoon. But isn't that the best? That's what you want, though. Yeah. So it's a nit, but also a positive for me because I'm like, okay, he's definitely going for an old school, like, kids TV show from, you know, depicting the 40s or whatever. Yeah, 40s serial. Yeah. yeah. But it was just so funny. It made me giggle. And uh, I don't know that that's necessarily the reaction you kind of want from think, that moment. I think they that's what they were going for. I think it was supposed to be campy fun. And mm. you're supposed to enjoy it and be able to laugh at it. But not laugh at it because it's bad, but laugh at it because that's what they want you to do. Yeah. So I get it because I also am like, oh, my God, this is so corny. But I absolutely <laughs> love it at the same time. One other, this is more of a nit for me of this part, is what kind of bad scout leader are you to let these kids go up into a mountain, find these people, run away and get into a high speed chase, basically a quote unquote high speed chase. Yeah. Where are you? Why are you not supervising they, these kids? Were they with somebody before? Yeah. They all like drove up. Oh yeah. And then they just went and did their thing. You've never been a part that, of Boy Scouts. You don't know how it works. That is fair. Like if you're out to get in badges and doing stuff, you kind of like go and then you have designated times to check in and then you just go do your thing. Oh, okay, because that would not happen today. There would be someone hovering over like, we shouldn't, you shouldn't oh, do that. Get off there. A lot of stuff wouldn't happen today because of helicopter parents and all that <laughs> crap. So, But this is also a period piece, so you got to understand. Yeah, exactly. This yeah. is 19. I think this movie takes place in the late 30s, early 40s is when it's supposed to be taking place. Well, yeah, if if it has to be like... And the Nazis weren't like Early 40s yet, I think. for... So. Uh, older indie because you know we get to see hitler in power that's what i'm saying so if that the movie itself the main part of the movie takes place in like 39 40 let's say mm -hmm. this took place 20 years before that that's the 20s His kids were just doing whatever they wanted back then apparently <laughs> yeah i so looking at some research about this movie and i've never ever gotten this at all but do you remember the woman that indie falls in love with during raiders Marion. 
Yeah, vaguely. So the guy in this, the guy who, so we get the hat origin. We get the origin yeah, of where of his where entire look, basically the fedora and his whole look, the whip, the coat, the hat, everything. But the hat itself comes from the guy stealing the cross. Apparently, that's supposed to be Marion's dad, who then takes Indy under him and teaches him about archaeology and finding things. That's what they were trying to tell us with this, and it did not come that, across like that at all. That did not come across at all. Did I you, actually have a note. Why base your entire look and everything about yourself about someone who ripped you off and was basically a bad guy? But he's not, apparently. That's exactly, that's what I'm saying. To me, I'm like, oh, okay, so maybe he just thought he was cool and that's why he ripped his look. But to know that that's the guy who taught Indy everything he knows like that's insane to me and that could make sense of why he knows marion and all this other stuff yeah, would have been nice to uh get that in the film yeah i think that was a big fail there i'm sure there's probably some stuff on the cutting room floor that they took out that would have explained this better and that's a big fail on spielberg's part yeah should have went further into that if that's what they were going for you had to go more because it didn't work yeah honestly though for me this part took a little too long the, really the train chase was a little too long for me Okay. I you get that ridiculous moment with the rhino putting his horn up through the ceiling of it. Like what? you are just tons of no fun. Yeah. Come on, this whole part's amazing. I just I like it. I just wish it wasn't as long. Now I could have used more. Really? I could have Young Indy was cool. Like again, I would take that as an entire movie. I would watch that. It was just really cool. And I seeing all the stuff he did on that train, on that circus train, informed us of how we get the indie that we get. Except we already have the indie that we have. Like we've already had two movies of him being the way he is. We get who he is. Exactly. And now you're sh now you're being shown how he got there. I don't know. You Either give me the entire movie like this or shorten it up a little bit because we jump to the, he gets across, they take it back and we jump to adult indie. Who has the cross. Who's trying to get the cross back from the guy who took it 20 years ago and they're on a boat. And I'm just like, I want to know how you tracked this thing down, how you because ended up on this boat. Like that seems like an interesting story to me. Because he's Indiana Jones. Sure. He just tracks stuff down. That's what the rest of the movie is about is how he tracks stuff down. He doesn't track anything else down. He gets it all from his father's notes. Yep. And he does the legwork to track it down. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? I'm just saying. He also had two other movies about how he tracks stuff down. I know. I'm just saying that would have been interesting to see and i think you could have cut some of that chase scene to okay. give us that that's fair i guess here's one thing that i do notice so after we're on the boat and we see him get the cross back and all that stuff we cut to him being a teacher standing in the classroom with glasses on teaching his class about archaeology and we get the great line of like x does not mark the spot we do not look for an x don't go chasing fairy tales yeah it's great Here's something that I absolutely love about just all the Indiana Jones movies. Harrison Ford is super believable as a college professor. Yeah. And as an ass-kicking archaeologist. He does manage to play both. So well. Yeah. Like nowadays, it's like, listen, I love Chris Evans. But if you're going to sit here and be like, Chris Evans is a college professor, I'm going to be like, hell no, he ain't. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I think he could do it. Slimmed down Chris Evans, maybe. Yeah. But after he bulked up for Captain America, no, nah, he's not. He's not well, going to no, look like not, a college professor. Not bulked up like Captain America, but definitely something like the Losers or something like that. Th that nah. version. See, my thing is, he's still too ripped and still too defined. 
Yeah, but you wear looser sweaters. I understand that, but he did as Ransom in and it Knives great. Out. And it Yeah, he still didn't look like a college professor. He still looked like a runway model. Well, yeah, but that's because he was supposed to be in that I know, movie. but that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't think you can... He's not the type that you're going to throw glasses on and be like, he's a teacher now. It's just, it wouldn't work. I don't know. I think he, I, I have the faith in him. Sure, sure. This isn't about him. <laughs> I love Chris Evans. Stop defending Chris Evans. This isn't about. I'm just saying. Most modern. Yes, most modern actors, people could not do both. I was just using him as an in example. one role. Yeah, not even just one role. Like I don't know many actors that I would believe could do both in different movies for the most part, I, let alone in the same movie. Because yeah, I kind of believe Dave Bautista as a teacher. It's because Dave Bautista is great. Yeah, there you <laughs> he's, go. He's on his own but thing. But he's not both in one movie. But I also don't really believe him as a teacher either the only thing that works is that he's like a teacher of like fifth grade or second grade or something like that yeah like kids and i'm like okay he looks like a mountain that kids just want to climb on that works but if you were like he's a college professor i'd be like absolutely not okay that's fair but that's what i'm saying like that's what's so great about harrison ford in this role he can play both Mm -hmm. and i 100 believe both yeah and i love that he's not ripped he's just a normal looking dude who couldn't legit kick your ass and it's not one of the things that I've always loved about Indiana Jones is that he's not perfect. He gets a lot of things wrong. He gets beat up. He he gets lucky a lot of the time. Dude, he gets bloody in every movie. Yeah. He's always bloody. So I like that he's not just some college professor that's suddenly amazing at everything and can do no wrong. He's he's a college professor first, and then he just happens to do this and yeah it works out dedicated to his craft yeah he's like i'm gonna get my ass whooped but i'm gonna whoop some ass he's the real tomb raider yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's just it's it's something like as an adult i appreciate that he can do both Mm -hmm. and it's not like we just threw a good looking guy who could play the archaeology part and for this five minutes he has to be a teacher or whatever can we go back to that beginning real quick sure there was something you notated while we were watching the movie for the pod about river phoenix Mm mm-hmm what did you say about him? You said he looked like somebody. That he looks exactly like Leo. I want to have this conversation real quick because River Phoenix, we lose him in 93, mm-hmm. four years after this movie comes out. Leo doesn't become a name until 97 in Titanic. Do we get Leo if River doesn't die? Potentially. I think we still get him in some form, but I don't know if he becomes like the biggest star on the planet. He would have had more competition, but I think River might have been too old by that point to play... The Jack Dawson. I mean, it was 23 and 93. So when they filmed Titanic in 95 and 96, right? Because it came out in 97 or does it come out in 96? I believe 97. I'll double check. Yeah, 96, 97. Somewhere around there is when Titanic came out. So if they're filming it in 95, he's only 24. He can totally play a, a 18, 19 year old teenager or whatever is supposed to be on that boat. Jack Dawson. It was 97. You're right. Okay. So still, they were filming it with, you know, James Cameron and his craziness. They were filming parts of it probably in late 95 and then through most of 96 so that they could do all the post-production on it. He's only 25, 23, 20 or 25 or 26, somewhere around there. He could have done it. Maybe. Leo might have became more popular earlier than he did. If River Phoenix kept going and he was popular, they want the knockoff version, (laughs) basically. then, then Then we get the Wish version. Does Leonardo DiCaprio become the Wish version of River Phoenix? It might be. (laughs) No, honey, we have River Phoenix at home. River Phoenix at home is... Leo. Leo. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he becomes the biggest star on the planet because after Titanic, like, let's not kid ourselves. That's his apex. He can basically do whatever the hell he wants after he gets and lands Titanic and that movie comes out and becomes the biggest movie of all time. 
Leo is is made man for the rest of his life. Yeah. That never happens, I don't think, if River doesn't pass away in 93. It's a, that's a hot take. Yeah. It made me think when you brought it up while we were watching the movie, I was like, I don't think we get Leo if River's still with us. It could be. And that's crazy to think about because think about everything Leo's done and all the movies he's been in. We might not have got him. Yeah. He better be thanking his lucky damn stars. You might have gotten the River Phoenix version. I would have taken it. As you can see in this movie, he's fantastic. All right, back to the movie, though. All right, so basically he runs into a woman who's like, hey, we got to find this thing. Yeah, and your he dad has, was looking for it. Yeah, his old friend was like, hey, I have these artifacts. Come look at them. They might lead to the Holy Grail, which, as we saw from the you know, flashback, your father's been looking for that as well. How dare Indy not use gloves when touching something that old? He's a terrible archaeologist. Hey, he just didn't have gloves on him, and he was too excited. That's fair. But I like, mean, I'd be excited. You, just put your hands all over this text that's supposed to tell you where the Grail is, you know? <laughs> You know, like, it's 1940. Leave them alone. True. Gloves might not have been as big of a yeah, thing. Exactly. You know how much stuff got ruined by archaeologists because they didn't follow, they didn't have like procedures to do? Yeah. So much stuff is lost to history because people broke it or ruined it by touching it or moving it or... Yeah. So, leaving it in open air. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, he's like, hey, let's go find this thing. They meet a woman named Elsa who's like hot. Yeah. It's like her one trait. She's hot. Hot and German. She's Austrian. Austrian. Not German. My bad. But all right, all right. You know, you're fine. Let's talk about it. So she ends up obviously being a Nazi. Yeah. How do you not see that coming? How is Indy? You're a smart dude. Yeah. I. <laughs> Random, perfect blonde German shows up and you're like, I can trust her during the Nazi regime. Mm, especially since you've had run-ins with Nazis before and know they are no good. My note I wrote is, why is Indy so horny? Like, it's immediate. They're fighting and they're just like, let's take each other's clothes off. Yeah, but they both do. That's what's so weird. Yeah. About it. She's but, like totally into it. But she's also fighting. It's like, yeah. what are you doing? This is she, the most awkward romance scene ever. This is I there, didn't need it. This is during that time that they had no idea how to write women sometimes because <laughs> it was just like, don't touch me. Don't touch me. And then she just starts making out with him. And yeah. It's like, didn't you just say no five seconds ago? No wonder no one can say what they're feeling nowadays. Because then you're just going to make out afterwards. Well, everyone who's like, well, I told him I didn't want it, but I secretly wanted it. So why didn't he give it to me? And it's like, because you didn't effing tell him. <laughs> like, we are not all Damn Indiana it, Jones <laughs> understanding that Elsa really wants to just make out, even though she's saying, hey, get away from me. Yeah. And she's like, okay, so that part's super weird. She's like nibbling his ear while talking. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if I needed that. This entire scene is just awkward we and just, I don't need it. We skipped a bunch of stuff and that's totally cool. We skipped the whole thing of where they go in the sewer to see the rats. Oh, is that after? I thought it was before for no. some reason. <laughs> no, that's after the rats. The first thing they do is the rats Uh-oh. together. Where were we finding the X marks the spot? So yeah, yeah we should probably right, talk let's go, about let's that. Go back to that. Let's go back to that. So after he's told they're going to go find the Holy Grail and she shows up and he has his dad's journal where he kept all his notes about the Holy Grail. It's at some church. Well, it's a library that used to be a church and they're looking for a tomb and it is the easiest solve ever. The fact that nobody's found it yet blows my mind. Yeah. Because he's looking at stained glass, and on the stained glass, it has three Roman Roman numerals. Three, seven, ten. Yeah. Right? So three, three I's, I, V, X. Roman mm-hmm. numerals. Yeah. On the pillars, right next to the fucking <laughs> window. Literally right next literally to them. right next to it are three and seven. 
and he's like oh man we gotta find the 10 okay finding the 10 was a cool reveal though although it makes no sense yeah it still was visually awesome oh yeah no the shot the way they did it following him up the spiral staircase because he goes to a second level to be able to see it on the ground even though you could definitely Definitely just see that on the ground (laughs) but that shot is just beautiful it's part of why i love spielberg as much as i do is because every time you see a spielberg film the cinematography is just oh yeah one of my notes in this one of my notes is literally just this movie is effing beautiful beautiful it's so beautiful but yeah so he goes to the second level we get a crane shot which is just awesome but it's also one of those things of like spielberg showing off and just being like hey you want to see a cool shot there's no reason i need to do it but i'm gonna do it anyway you know what change the script i really like this shot (laughs) do it but it doesn't make sense do it well he doesn't really need to go to the second level to be able to see the giant x on the ground do it anyway yeah, it would have been made more sense if they made it like a mosaic or something that you can't see up close, but you need to be far away. But no, it's no, just it's solid. literally just a black X on the floor yeah. of white, you know? So then he breaks into it, like literally breaks the floor. This part cracks me up every <laughs> Got time me too, I see yeah. it. Every time. So he grabs a stanchion and he's going to break this like tile floor so he can get under it because that X marks the spot. You got to dig there. But they're in a library, so he can't make noise. And he wants to kind of keep it, dude, you're putting a hole in the ground. How secret can you keep it? But they show a librarian stamping books. Mm -hmm. So he times his hits to the stamps. And the librarian, every time he hits, gets the big clang of the floor being struck. And I love that he just looks at the stamp like it's the one making the noise. And I'm like, how dumb is this guy? Yeah, but I love it because he keeps doing it. Yep. How? Also, Indy, you are incredibly lucky that you're able to just time that out yeah it was amazing i love that scene so he breaks in they go down they find a tomb he finds the other half of the writing that he was shown earlier he has to fight through a bunch of rats and then we get a boat chase and the boat chase is really cool as they're trying to get away from people who protect the tomb Mm -hmm. that gives away the clues to where the whole grail is this is another moment when they kind of skip over something like The whole burial site is like underwater that has like petroleum on it or whatever. So those people light it on fire. Yeah. And they desecrate a grave, by the way. Yeah, who cares? Move on. And they just escape. Like they swim away. Yeah. That's the biggest yada yada I've ever heard. That is so funny. So when those guys lit the whole tomb on fire, all the petroleum water, stupid. Uh, My two notes there are the poor rats. Yeah. They just killed a bunch of rats for no reason. Also, why are they there? There's nothing to feed on. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe they ate the people. But then my next note is literally just yada yada, they escape. Exactly. Yeah. It's just like, oh, we're we're now out of that. We're we're climbing out of a sewer and now we're gonna get a boat and a boat chase. Boat chase is really cool. Super cool. So cool. Jumping from boat to boat and like all that. But what really gets me in the boat chase is the very end of it. Ooh, when yeah. they're getting chopped up by that propeller blade. And Indy's got the guy and he's like, you tell me what you're doing. Blah, blah. And he's like, I'll die. Let's go right now. And he's like, okay, well then we'll both go down. Like, it's one of my favorite lines. It's not my favorite line, yeah. but one of my favorite lines in the whole movie is Indy's like, you know, you're going to die. And he's like, my soul is ready to die is yours. Yeah. And Indy's like, oh, damn, you got me. And he like pulls him <laughs> to the other boat and he's like, I was not ready. All right. You got yeah. me. You called my Shucks. bluffs. But it's just, it's great. Then we get the weird make out and the weird whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, wow, well, we got to go find dad because he knows where the grail is. So they go to find him and this is, welcome to Sean Connery, everybody. He's amazing. Yes, he is. But he's not exactly what I pictured when I thought of Indiana Jones's dad. Really? 
him himself, yes. The character is just like, oh, you're you're definitely more reserved. You're more of a book person. So he's the, he's the reason Indy's a professor. I really wish I had gotten to know that other guy who had helped him become to know that that's what that was. Because yeah. I was just like, how did you make this? Because his dad always taught him to protect history. Yeah. So he protected by any means necessary, even though his dad... We see at the very beginning with the young Indy, he tries to tell his dad about the cross that he just took from those guys so his dad can help him. And his dad's like, I don't have time for that book stuff. Is it really bad that I wanted that cross to have some bigger meaning in the whole story? Yeah. Like that is the key to getting in or something like that? Yeah, I think that would have been a little too full, full circle for me. Normally, I like full circle stuff, but that would have been a little too convenient. That's fair. That 20 something years later, we're back to that cross again for the third time. But yeah, Sean Connery's amazing. My favorite part about all of it before he gets his dad, the castle that they get to to get his dad, they have to like lie their way in. So we get Harrison Ford doing the worst cliche Scottish accent ever. And yet I loved it. Oh, it's so funny and so <laughs> not good good. But we get this horrible accent. And then three minutes later in the movie, he finds his dad who is a Scotsman who talks with a real Scottish accent. <laughs> And it just, it cracks me up every time I see that part. I love it so much. But yeah, so he finds his dad. Then his dad's like, oh, thank God you found me. But, you know, you didn't bring the diary. And he's like, oh, I did. And he's like, you're an idiot. I should have sent the diary to somebody else. And this is when we find out that she is a Nazi. Yeah, because they get kidnapped. And then what happens? She's held at gunpoint by one of the big bad Nazis. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about this part because this part cracks me up so indy's like let her go and his dad's like but why she's one of them yeah he's like, shut up dad no she's not let her go i don't know why they're keanu reeves <laughs> i don't know what's going on with this but it's it's cool just run with it <laughs> they're pretending like he's a teenager again but he's like no i gotta save her and the whole time his dad's like dude she's one of them just he's not gonna shoot her she's literally working for them and he's like no way and he lets her go and runs over to him and she's like hugging Indy and then just takes the journal and she's like, yeah, you probably should have listened to your dad, idiot. Especially because we find out a moment later that they've both done her. Well, we don't find that out yet. I mean, that's like 20 minutes It's implied. Out. Yeah. That is like, oh, we've been together. So, <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about that real quick <laughs> because that's super weird. But again, let's go back to the Fablemans. Having watched it, we saw how much his mom and his relationship mattered in that movie is that some weird some weird stuff nah i think it's more so played for like laughs in this i don't think so because it's not a joke like they never play it like haha it's funny we both slept like it's like a moment between them when they find out they both slept with the same woman it's a connecting moment for them because they need to connect they have not been but you gotta admit it's a little weird after watching the fablemans and seeing what his relationship was like with his mother to then have this in the movie yeah. Mm, it's just a little weird. I guess art intimidate intimidates. Art does intimidate life, but it also imitates life. There we go. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, it's just super weird. Super weird. But yeah, so we'll, we'll move back to that in a second. But right before we find all that out, when they escape the, the Germans, it's a really cool moment. It's one of my favorite scenes where they're tied to the chair with a room on fire around them. And they're going yeah. through a spinning wall. This part cracks me up when they're like, oh, we got to get to the fireplace to like secure ourselves from this fire so we can get free. 
and they accidentally hit a button and the wall spins and then they're like in a Nazi war room. Yeah. And they're like, oh, crap. And they hit a button again and they go back. Oh, my God. It's so funny. What do you think? They they keep going back and forth. It's it's really good. It's that classic gag of a secret room just spinning. Yeah. And they do it well. I really wish, really wish somebody would have just been like, put the candlestick back slowly <laughs> and just reference young Frankenstein would have been awesome because that's my favorite gag of all time of the spinning wall <laughs> is young Frankenstein. So I'm a fan of that. I just wish they could have referenced it a little bit. But so they escape, they go, and then they're going to get on a blimp because they got to get out of there. I, I think we're missing because I think before they get to the blimp, they're on the motorcycle. They doing the whole chase scene on the motorcycle first. Well, they have to go back to Berlin to get the book because they got away with the book. They still need it. So when they get out of that castle, they do a chase to then get to Berlin. Which is on the motorcycle. Which is on the motorcycle. And then they get yeah. to the Zeppelin or, or some giant blimp. Yeah. And they get on it. And this is where they get to have a little bit of a, a, a moment. This is where we find out that they slept with the same woman mm. is on the blimp. And then one of the head Nazis shows up and is like, ha ha, I got you. And Indy's like, no, you don't. Because he's behind him in a captain's uniform. And then he just tosses him through the window. And it's one of the best sight gags mm -hmm. ever in a movie. It's been parodied, this whole no ticket thing. So I made you watch Dogma about a year and a half ago. Kevin Smith's Dogma about the angels mm -hmm. trying to get to the church. And they pull this gag in that. Where uh, Matt Damon's character, or no, Kevin Smith's character in Dogma throws Matt Damon and Ben Affleck off a train. Two passengers look at him and he's just like, no ticket. Yeah. This is where that joke came from, right here. Yeah. And it's freaking amazing. It's what a, a wonderful visual gag. He picks a Nazi up, whips him out a window, and you're like, oh my God, you even had that reaction when watching it. You thought he threw him out while they were flying. Oh, yeah, I did. But they didn't. They hadn't left yet. And he lands in a giant pile of luggage, and it's such a great gag. Yeah, it is. I laugh every time I watch it. And then just the turnaround to all the crew, all the passengers and just like no ticket. And then every single person's like digging through their purse and pockets and like waving their ticket in the air. I love this moment. It's a great moment. I'm going to give it away. This is my, this is my uh, life uh, finds a way award. It's mine as well. It's the no ticket line. Yes. Oh, it is? Yes. Oh my God. Yes. That's why I was making faces at you. Cause <laughs> I was like, are oh, you giving away my life finds a way I award? Care. I had to. I love it so much. Yeah, I, it is indie. It is his quick wit. It is his humor and it just works out for him. And it's his violence without being violent, violent. Like, yeah, he could have like killed the guy. He could have done something. And he's like, no, I just need him to go away. Yeah, I just need him off. Yeah. So like he hurts <laughs> him, but like safely. And it's just it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's such a great moment. It's not my uh, psycho shower scene, though. That's no. different. Yeah, same. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, we gave away one award early, guys. Sorry. But yeah, so then they are on the Zeppelin or the blimp of some kind and the Nazis are there and they have to get away. So they drop into a, a plane. It's because they're rerouting them back to yes. Berlin. So they have to get back and they're in a plane and it's awful. I hate this whole scene. I think it's great to see Sean Connery sitting in a turret gun and shooting <laughs> a machine gun, but it looks terrible. The CGI is awful. The back and forth banter in this scene isn't that great except for the moment when Sean Connery has literally shot through their own tail wing. Mm -hmm. And then Andy's like, what's going on? Are we hit? And he's like, yeah, sort of. <laughs> they they definitely hit us, you know? Uh... Yeah. That's like the one part of the scene that works. Everything else from the moment they get off the blimp in the plane mm -hmm. until they're at the temple going to get the Holy Grail, I think is just 
or no, the tank chase before they get to the Holy Grail. Mm-hmm. That's all just downhill for me there until the tank shows up. Well, yeah. It's like 20 minutes of just uh, whatever. Fast forward it. My thing is, is it a thing in the earlier movies? Because I can think of that he can fly a plane, but he can't land it. Because I was like, how do you know how to fly a plane, but not know how to land it, but still land it perfectly? Yeah, I have no idea. I don't remember him flying a plane in the other movie, but I could be wrong. I haven't seen them in a while. Okay. I was just like, why? Why was that necessary? Yeah, I think the whole plane thing could have just been avoided. Make the movie a little bit shorter and just cut that. Also, why was there a plane attached to the undercarriage of this blimp? It's like a whole thing. Moving on. Anyway, so then, so they're going to go get the grail, right? They have, they they figured out where it is. And we get a really cool moment with the Nazi people and tanks. Why did they need tanks? Safety. They were getting shot at. They didn't know that was going to happen until they went that way. But why would you not plan for that? They're the Nazis. (laughs) They know (laughs) they're going to get shot. If you can have a tank, have a tank. yeah, you okay. just answered your own question. Okay, I just, I thought there might be a little more to Listen, it. Listen, if I could that, just have nah. a tank everywhere I went, I'd have a tank everywhere I went. Yeah, they move so slow. I don't care. Tanks are great. But yeah, so they start doing that. But like this scene, you want to talk about something that goes on a little too long. This scene goes on a little too long yes, for me. Yes, it does. But there are some great moments in it. Like when Indy is hanging off the side of the turret gun mm-hmm. and they're pushing him into the rocks and then the turret starts hitting the rocks and it's getting closer and you're like, oh God, Indy's going to get smashed. I literally am like grabbing the arm of my chair. I'm like, oh my God, he's going to die. I know he's not going to die. I've yeah. seen this movie a hundred times. Doesn't matter. I love that moment. It's in this scene that I realized just how brutal this whole series is on the deaths. Like we literally see a man fall off the front of the tank, tank and get smashed basically, but they don't show it. It's very... Your, imag- your imagination is worse than what they could show. Exactly. So it's just like, oh my God, I can't believe that just happened. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, this whole this whole fight scene is brutal, but it ends on a funny note, yeah. which I think is great. So he fights everybody. They're all doing whatever they're doing. He's fighting people on top of a tank and the tank is headed towards a cliff. He can't get off. Indiana can't get off in time. Mm-hmm. And the tank goes over the side and you're all like, oh, Indy died. But they're all looking over the thing and they all took their hats off and they're all mourning yeah. Indy's death because like there's no way he could have got off. And then Indiana Jones walks up behind them and joins them looking over the cliff and then just like makes a noise like, huh, what are we looking at? And everybody looks at him and they're like, oh my God, you're alive. I love it too because you see him climbing up from over the edge yeah. and he's not being quiet about it either. And they're still just like oblivious to him until Connery looks over and he's like, oh, even does a double take like oh you're supposed to be down there it's such a great moment it's so basic and i love it but it works so well yeah sometimes basic works yes you don't have to go overboard with jokes sometimes just that little thing makes it funny and connery's double take is what works so well in this moment yeah but then we finally get to the cave where the holy grail is and the nazis are there they're gonna get in but people are dying because it's a bunch of booby traps Go figure. <laughs> Although, if you're really trying to hide this grail, you would not normally do a two-story entranceway ornate carving into the wall of this canyon. Uh, if you could, you do. But you're trying to hide this thing. You have knights there. You have knights to hide it. You don't need to, like, hide it, hide it. It's protected. 
you want somebody to find it eventually, just the right person. <laughs> somebody who figured out all the clues. The Nazis didn't do that. They just stole the clues. Yeah. But they get there and people are dying. And this is a moment where I just have to praise this movie beyond all belief here. So the the bad guy is like, hey, go get this. And Indy's like, no, I'm, no, <laughs> just no. Like, why would I go get this for you? Mm -hmm. So instead of threatening his life, he literally just shoots his dad. In the gut, yeah. He just shoots him and he's like, hey, you know how he can survive? With the grail, go get it. What a great bad guy moment. Yeah. No I mean, exposing. that is the way. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, that is the way to get it done easily. Like, and succinctly. He didn't have to go on a monologue of why you should do this or that or threaten your life for like five minutes and then realize, oh, threatening your life's not going to work. I'll do something else. I'll threaten him. Oh, that's still not working. Bang. It is a good moment and makes him really a villain. Yeah. It's not even just, I'm going to threaten your dad's life. Like I have, I have a gun to his head and you better go do this or I'll pull the trigger. He already pulled the trigger. Yeah. He just shot him. There is now a time frame that you need to go get this thing and hope to God it works. I wish more movies had the balls to do that. Yeah. Just let your bad guy be a bad guy. Because then you have that moment of like, he could die. They could end this movie and have it not work. And then he just loses his father. And it puts the audience on a time frame too. Because now all of a sudden when Indy's going through stuff, we're like, dude, go. Your dad is dying. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Yeah. Like you're invested more than just well, he'll get it. It's fine. It's like, run! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's one of my favorite moments of this whole movie because it's just a bad guy doing bad guy things. Yeah. I need more of it. When we covered Austin Powers, it was one of my favorite things about that movie. When Dr. Evil's like, I have you trapped and I'm going to put you in a box and I'm going to... And his son, Scott's just like, dude, I have a gun in my room. I'll go get it. And we just shoot him right now. And we can do it, it together. Yeah, yeah, we can do it together and just end it. Yeah. I love the joke that they're making because that's what villains always did. Yeah. They just... Talk and talk and talk until the good guy wins. He was like, I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. Boom, boom. Go get my grail. <laughs> but then we go into another scene that I think just takes too long. Oh. Is getting through the trials. Oh, wow. Okay. My problem with it is the cutting between Indy and his dad saying the same thing. Oh. Like back and forth. They do it just a bit too much. If oh, they, you're so wrong here. If they did it like a little bit less, I'd be more invested. But like, I don't need to hear it said like 16 different times by both of you. And like, I we already went through these rules. We yeah, already talked about them. It doesn't matter though. It's the connection of father and son. I absolutely love it. When he has to step, when he has to spell Jehovah out mm -hmm. and step on the tiles and he spell, and he's like, yeah, I got to spell Jehovah. And his dad's like, you got to spell Jehovah. And then we go back but, to Indy and Indy's like, it's a J. And we go back to his dad and his dad's like, but remember, it begins with an I in their book. And then he steps on the J and falls through. And I'm like, damn, that's so good. That's why we go back and forth. I know. Though. Like, I got why they did it. I just maybe for the first one, they do it so much. And it's like back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. And it's like, okay, we get it. You're just going to kneel down. So I don't know. It's just. You're, it, you're just wrong, dude. That, that moment just took too long for me. Normally I'm like, okay, I can kind of see your point on a lot of things. This is one point. I just, you're wrong. And maybe it's just the first trial, but. It, it's just you. It's not just the first trial. No. It's just no. you. It's nobody it's else not. in the world thinks this is. People are going to think it's a thing. It's not. Yep. It's so, it's so good. I love the traps. I love them. The whole trial and error and all that. The first one, it all makes sense. Except His for... notes come through and it's just like, except one thing. Yeah. What was your one thing? 
the kneel and then roll. Yeah. I don't know why he rolls. Well, because there's one in the ground too. Well, I know, but how, I don't know how he knows that. Yeah, I don't know. Because he just knows to kneel, but then he rolls. It's like and a pious like, man. Okay, you kneel. How do you know to roll? I guess pious men rolled as well. Knee is that how roll. They, is that how they got back up? They rolled? Yeah. They were like, oh, I can't you just You know what? Kneel. That would make church a lot more interesting okay, to go okay, to. Okay, next time I go to church and they're like, all right, time to kneel. I'm going to make sure I'm in the aisle way doing it. And then we're like, okay, we're done. I'm going to roll and then I'm going to get up. That's what pious men do, okay? Yeah. God, did you not see Indiana Jones? <laughs> <laughs> and then we get the second trial, which we already talked about, spelling out Jehovah's name through things in the ground. And when he falls, man, it's also tense. Yeah. When he falls through that J, first of all, dude's got finger strength of a god to mm-hmm. not fall. But like, it was scary. And it also looked awesome. Oh, yeah. That shot, really that distant shot of him hanging, I was like, that's really cool. I really appreciated that this moment kind of called back to the beginning on how his father always had him answer things in Latin, spell things out in Latin. Greek. Greek, sorry. Uh, Because, and then this is how he had to do it. Yeah. So it's like, oh, you know why he knows this. It's a well thought out story. Things that happened early in the movie mean something by the end. Yeah. They're not just there to just add runtime other than the blimp stuff. (laughs) Blimp stuff. So, and then we get the third trial, which is the leap of faith. And this is exactly what I would picture a leap of faith. It's an invisible walkway. One, it's not really invisible. It's painted. Yeah. You know, to, to look, look like invisible, which we know is possible because we've seen chalk drawings and stuff that look like that where you're like, and there's literally only one way to look at it. So yeah, you can't there. It's a very narrow way. You can only see it from that viewpoint, but the reveal, the camera angle reveal mm-hmm. of it is so cool too. Yeah. And again, Indiana Jones, smart man. He takes that step, and then when he realizes that's what worked, he throws pebbles. Yeah, once he gets across, he yeah. throws pebbles. So, so that, that he knows exactly where it is coming back. Yeah. Yeah, so smart. Then we get there. Boom. He's in the room, and he meets the knight who's protecting the Holy Grail. For the last 700 years. Yeah, I want to live to be... I don't want to live to be 700. Who are we kidding? Especially not in just a random cave. Yeah. He's not the only one, because he turns around as he's in the room, and it's Elsa, and... I, why can I not remember the main Nazi's name right now? I just consider him main Nazi number one. Main. <laughs> We're a, little re- a little redundant on the main and the number one, but you know. Main Nazi number one. Yeah. Because there's like two main Nazis in this. I mean, it Hitler's is... in this, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I can't even. Oh, it's Vogel. Oh, uh, yeah. We should know that because he's the guy who. Nope, that Vogel's the other bad Nazi. My bad. It is Walter Donovan. It's whoever he Walter goes Donovan. to initiates his search for the yeah. grail. Yeah, it's Donovan. But he's there with Elsa. The whole room is filled with a bunch of gold and plates and all that. And just hundreds of different chalices and cups. Yeah. And he's, and like, he's like, oh, you want the grail? Choose. Find it. Oh, mind you, if you pick the right one, you'll have, you know, eternal life. But if you pick a wrong one, you're done. Instant death. Good and luck. She's like, damn, okay. And Elsa's like, I'll pick for you. Okay, here. I know everything about this and thing. And then she hands him a cup, he drinks from it, and he slowly turns into a skeleton. And by slowly, I mean it's pretty fast and it's horrific. Might I say, the aging looked really good until it didn't. Because they initially do it with makeup. They slowly make him older. And uh, then all of a sudden, when you get the back view and his hair just grows and it switched back to the front, it's like, oh no. Nah, it looked good for me the whole time. Nah. The whole time. It looks awesome. It looks, looks better awesome. than a lot of things. Listen, it looks better than the raptors from Jurassic Park. I disagree. You're wrong again. But anyway, so he drinks and dies. 
But then Indy's like, all right, I got to go find the cup. And he picks the most basic, boring cup in the world. And it's like, duh. It's a carpenter's cup. Well, yeah, but like, of course, Jesus is going to have a boring ass cup. Yeah. He's not, he wasn't all about gold and jewels and all that stuff. <laughs> so Indy gets it. He scoops up some water, runs back, saves his dad. Well, he tries it first. He does. To make sure. He does. So now Indy's, that's why he's still making movies. That's what he's I timeless. actually <laughs> had that thought. I was like, that's my theory. How he's still alive and doing stuff now. Makes I, sense. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. He's eternal. <laughs> for at least a couple of Yeah, he's definitely decades. getting old, but he's eternal. But he tries it, runs back, he saves his dad, and everything's happy. Or is it? Because Elsa makes a dumb move and didn't listen to the knight. It was like, hey, don't take this past the seal. Yeah. A seal on the floor. Don't take it past there. It can't leave. And she walks right past the seal it's and like, the whole room starts collapsing. Mm -hmm. Canyons open up. Walls are crumbling. And what a father-son moment we get here. Yeah. Because Elsa's going for the cup and she falls into one of the caverns and she's hanging on and Indy grabs her so she doesn't fall. And she's still reaching for the cup, the grail. Yeah. And it's Indy's her obsession. Like, let it go. And she's like, no, I can just reach it. I can blah, blah, blah. And she falls and dies. Yeah. And well, then Indy's... We assume she dies. She dies. And then Indy is Slips. like, I can get it. I thought he slipped. And then he when he was caught, he's like, no, I well, can get it. When he's grabbing her, he's slowly falling. Yeah. And then he's like, you need to let it go so we can both get out of here. And then she falls and he's still going down. So then his dad catches him and he's like, dad, I can get the grail. And his dad, who has called him Junior through the entire movie, which Indy doesn't like. He wants to be called Indy. Yeah, Indiana. Indiana is like, no, I can get it. And his dad is like, no, you can't. Indiana. Indiana, let it go. Yeah. What a moment. And the way Connery delivers this line just literally punches me right in the heart. And I love it. Oh, it's so great. And the look on Harrison Ford's face of just like, oh, he said my name the way I want it. Yeah. He must really mean it. it it's amazing. Amazing. And that's it. He rescues him. They Wait. leave. Go ahead. And we find out one of the dumbest things in the entire movie oh, I love franchise. It. I love it. How dare you? I know exactly what you're going to say, and I oh, love it. It's not actually dumb, but it's kind of dumb. It is kind of dumb, but is it's Is the awesome. fact that his name is not actually Indiana. It's Henry. It's Henry he's Jr. Called, he's called Jr. because his dad is Henry Ford. Or not Ford. Sorry. Henry Jones. I mix it up with Harrison Ford and Henry Ford is the guy who created the automobile. The Fords. Uh, but yeah, his dad is Henry Jones and he's Henry Jones Jr. Yeah. But he likes to be called Indiana. Which was their dog's name. He got named after a dog. Well, he chose the name after a dog. Yeah, but then we get a great little moment from him. He's like, I have some fond memories with that dog. Yeah. Of that dog. And you're like, aw. As a dog person, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I get it. I'll name my kid after my dog. It's fine. <laughs> but yeah. It was just like, oh, this really cool name is not actually your name. Okay. And that's it. That's the end of the movie. Yeah. They ride off into the sunset. Now, now we go into questions. And my first question is, is it the best use of a theme song and an Emmy ending image ever working together in a movie? Because we get that shot of him going through the chasm you know, big bricks, big, big bricks, big rocks on each side of him. He's silhouetted riding the horse out and that Indiana Jones theme just full blast kicks in. It's pretty darn great. It's so good. Yeah. Is it the best use ever of those two things combined? Probably. I can't think of another one that would be any better. Yeah. I got a lot of questions. I only have like one. All right. What do you got? Do you think adventure movies like this don't exist anymore? Because they can't live up to this. 
I think adventure movies don't exist like this anymore because you can only make them period pieces because modern technology makes everything way too easy. Okay. So it's really hard to tell an adventure story in 2023 because it's like, I'll just Google it. (laughs) There's the answer. Moving on. That's why. Yeah. You have to be a little more creative. And I don't think writers nowadays are that creative, unfortunately. That's fair. I have a lot of questions. So let's run through these. Could you escape the ropes in the fire room? I think so. Better Ford, Han Solo, Indiana Jones. I actually did have this as a question. I forgot. Um, Indiana Jones. I think so too. Who would play Indiana Jones if it was made in 2023? If these movies never existed and they were going to make Indiana Jones now, who plays Indiana Jones? Who Uh, Who has that? I'd say Tom Cruise, but he might be getting a little old for it already. Yeah, he's a little old. I think Paul Bettany. Yeah. He can play he can play the teacher. He'd have to put on a little bit of, of muscle, but we already know he can from when he played Vision in all the MCU movies. I think he's my pick if I'm making this movie in you 2023. I'm going with Chris Evans. I think he can do it. Oh, I would watch that. Yeah. I would watch it. Could you solve the mystery? Because none of these clues were really that hard. Yeah, no. They were they were pretty darn easy. Yeah. Uh what's your favorite trap in the movie? Is it the spinning blades, the falling floor, or the leap of faith? Leap of faith. Yeah. I think so too. It's definitely more interesting and you can't necessarily get it nece- right away. You can't away. just luck into it. Yeah, because it's like, oh, you have to take a jump. I know I can jump that. Yeah. No, it's a leap of faith and that is so literally take, a leap of faith because so you could take just take the jump. Take the jump because you're not going to die, but that's the that's the leap of faith. Yeah. It's a lot of uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse for me. Yeah. Jump off that building. Or Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse got it from this. <laughs> Better visual. The face melting from Raiders of the Lost Ark when they opened the Covenant or the guy becoming a skeleton in Crusade. I actually really like the face melting in the first one. Yeah, but it looks terrible. I you want to talk about You know what? I have not up. watched that in a while, okay. so that might be why. I got to go the man becomes a skeleton because it looks really cool. I also like the idea that the face melting is very horrific. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. The guy turning into a skeleton when his eyes fall out of his sockets is oh, terrifying. Yeah. It's, it's literally you are decaying in front of our yeah. eyes. It, it was very creepy. It's very creepy, but I think it looks cooler. So that's just for me. Is this too much of a retread of Raiders? A little bit. Just because you went back to the well with certain things, like you could have changed little aspects of it and it wouldn't have felt as much of a retread. If they didn't do Nazis, would it feel like such a retread? No. Okay. Yeah. And what's one piece of memorabilia you want from this movie? The Grail. Yeah. I think the Grail would be cool, but obviously I'm going to go with the indie look. Give me the fedora. Give me the whip. Give me I was going to say, it was either the Grail or the whip. And I was just like, what goes with this movie? The Grail. The Grail. Absolutely. Okay, here's something I want to introduce to this. We're going to play a little quick game, and it is the best John Williams theme song game. I'm going to give you two of them. You're going to pick a winner, and then that winner is going to advance to the next round until we figure out who the winner is. Ready? Okay. Indiana Jones theme versus Jaws. Which one do you like better? Indiana Jones. Okay. Indiana Jones versus Star Wars. And we're just talking about the music, not the movies. Yeah, I know. Okay. Uh... Let me, know if you need, let me know if you need to hear them. I got them queued up. I can St- play them. Star Wars. Star. Oh, okay. Uh, Star Wars versus Superman the movie. Star Wars. Star Wars versus E.T. the extraterrestrial. Star Wars. Star Wars versus Jurassic Park. Star Wars. Oh. All right. And final round then. Mm-hmm. Star Wars versus Harry Potter. <gasps> I bet you forgot John's Will- John Williams did Harry Potter. I did. Star Wars. Oh, so Star Wars takes it from round two all the way to the end. I it, it crushed my heart a little bit, but it is so iconic and you get so many feelings. See, I, I thought the opposite. I thought any I thought Star Wars was one of the weaker ones here because 
uh, when I think Star Wars, I don't think that theme. I think Vader's theme. I do actually think that theme. Oh, see, I don't. I think Vader's Imperial March. I I think of both, but the main one I think is Luke uh, Skywalker's song. I just always think of Vader's March. So nah. I, Star Wars wouldn't have won for me against Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park would have moved in. My finals would have been Jurassic Park versus Harry Potter. Which one would have won for you? Harry Potter. All right. Hedwig's theme is so good. It is really good. It's so beautiful. For me, Star Wars, it's just how grand that song is equals how grand the property becomes. That's fair. So it feels impressive. It feels like you're going to go on an adventure and you're ready for it. And it's going to be in space with Chewbacca and everything. Like, I love it. That was only seven things from John Williams. And it's seven of the biggest movies of all time. Yeah. And it was all John Williams. Yeah. We want to talk about what a great soundtrack Indiana Jones is. It's like, it's amazing. Oh, so good. But I didn't want to just be like, oh, the soundtrack's good. I was like, we all know how good Johns Williams is. That's why he has six Oscars. Goat? Oh, he's the goat. Okay. Absolutely. Just making sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't think anybody argues that he's the goat composer of film uh, ever. And he always works with Spielberg. So yeah, I just, I was like, yeah, let's spice it up a little bit. Let's play a little game. I think that was fun. Yeah. All right. That's it. Uh, hot takes. I don't have any nits. Do you have any nits? I went through my nits as I went. Okay. As I went. Yeah. My hot take is this is the best indie movie for me. Okay. Uh, it's kind of a lukewarm everybody it's like these movies are so alike and so different at the same time that there's just gonna be little moments that set a movie apart from one of the other movies to make it your favorite so i feel like that's kind of a lukewarm take but i went with it anyway i was gonna say my lukewarm take was that indiana jones is a better character than han solo yeah that's super lukewarm too all right that's all i got let's go into awards yeah first up is the psycho shower scene for your favorite scene in the movie what do you got I got the scene of picking the right grail, how he figures out that's the grail. I just have always loved that scene. That's always the scene that sticks with me yeah. from this movie. That's fair. Mine is just the uh, clever traps before we get to the grail. <laughs> I, this is why it pissed me off that you were like, I hate cutting back and forth between the dad and Indy. I think it's just, it's beautiful symmetry. Both actors are crushing it in that moment. The traps are a lot of fun. The fall through the floor, like I already said, is just absolutely gorgeous. The leap of faith is amazing. Mm -hmm. Everything leading up to it and the moment right before the traps of shooting his dad, I mean, like, go. Like, that entire sequence right there is some of the finest filmmaking ever. Yeah. For me, anyway. So, that's mine. We already did our... Life, uh, finds a way. Award. Except I do have one more that I'm going to put out here. Okay. And I think you're going to like it. And I think doing... If you asked me my opinion about doing our Life of Finds a Way award halfway through the show, I would respond in one way. You chose poorly. Yes. It's so good the way he delivers that line, the gravitas in his voice. It's so good. <laughs> and then when he tells Indy, you have chosen wisely. So good. That man, he's in like six minutes of this movie only, and he gets like 10 lines, and he makes the most of it. But in a good way, because a yeah. lot of times you when you say you make the most of it, it's because you hammed it up. Nah, he was good. I You you can t attest to this. I use the you have chosen poorly in everyday life. Yes, yes, you do. All the time stuff mm -hmm. happens and I'm like, they have chosen poorly. Yeah, you this. say it just like that, too. It's, yeah. it's kind of funny. It's great. So I love the no ticket thing, but it was a very close call for me on who was going to get the award. And you know, I'm going to give it to both. So that we can have one here. And I'm just going to let it, let ours be heard because, you know, we didn't necessarily say it before, but our original one was. No ticket. 
you have chosen wisely. <laughs> Next up is the Han shot first award for what held up the worst since this movie came out. Mine is just everything about the plane, about mm. the blimp. Well, everything after the blimp takes off when, when they're going to have to escape because it's turning around and then the entire airplane thing yeah. is just, it looks bad. The green screen is awful. I don't think they're doing their best acting in this moment. I just can't, I can't deal with it. For me, it is the guy aging. The, that that Get whole the moment f- was a little... Because this movie is so much on the practical side. Get the f- That as soon as you here. put anything of no. that magnitude in there, it's like, oh. All right, guys, that's it. Thanks for listening to her. Shut up. <laughs> You're so wrong. You guys, tell her how wrong she is, please. Let us know in the comments how wrong she is. It just took me out of it. Is. It God, took me out of it. so... You're not allowed to watch movies anymore. You just lost your movie watching privileges. Oh, wow. How dare you? All right. And then last award is the Paul Rudd Award for the thing that held up the best since this movie came out. What do you got? Our two main guys being the main guys. Harrison Ford as Indiana and Sean Connery as his father. They are just so great as actors, as characters, and their chemistry together is so amazing. Uh, Same. It's actually... 100% that's my award as well goes to those two (laughs) men we knew Harrison Ford was going to be great as Indiana Jones because we've already seen him in two movies introducing Sean Connery was an inspired choice Mm -hmm. especially picking somebody who's a Scotsman and Indy's obviously not a Scotsman and you already said like that's not what you would expect his dad to be like they went the antithesis of what you wanted his dad to be Mm -hmm. and it was the best thing we ever could have gotten yeah you half expected his dad to be like a cooler version of him like the more the guy he can't live up to yeah because that's what modern movies would do and spielberg was like no no no. we're to go the exact opposite of what you think Mm -hmm. and that's why it works and it's and like you said them together is so great what blows my mind too is they're only 12 years apart yeah harrison ford is only 12 years younger than sean connery yet not one time throughout the entire movie did i ever go they're not father and son i believed it with all of my heart Mm -hmm. that they were father and son they played it so well yeah freaking amazing decision time you want to go first yeah i'm not even gonna try and sugarcoat it it holds up it is so good it's still so much fun to watch there are some things wrong with it but you're gonna get so much more out of it that's that's so good so absolutely i 100 agree it holds up i think it holds up better than the other indiana jones movies there's my hot take the last time i watched raiders i was like "Ooh, there's a lot i don't think holds up in this movie there's a lot i don't think works Temple of Doom is just a hot mess with some weird racism and sexism stuff going on. It's still like fun and short round is just amazing, but also no. racist as hell. Yeah. So I think there's just a lot of problems in that one. Raiders has a lot of those same problems. I think this is the one where as much as people don't want to think it, Spielberg got it right in this movie. I think Raiders is awesome, mm-hmm. but I think he finally put it all together in this one. It's just a shame that he used Nazis again because it does feel like a retread. I think if he would have used anything else, yeah, the Russians, the, I don't care, something else, people wouldn't look at this like a retread and they'd realize how amazing this movie actually is. Yeah. So, all right, that's it. You want to say anything else about the movie? Go watch it again. Yeah, go, you know, go watch all three. Just make it a trilogy. Don't watch the fourth. I one. know, I need to watch the f- first two again. Yeah, absolutely. All right, thanks for joining us on our adventure back to Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade, starring Harrison Ford and Sean Connery, an amazing film that we agree to does hold up. If you guys like this, make sure you check out all of our other episodes. Last week, we did Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. If you haven't listened to that one yet, please go ahead and go listen. 
Come follow us on all our socials as well by clicking the link in the description below. And please join us over on YouTube, our Does It Hold Up channel. We got new movie reviews on there all the time. We just did a review for uh, No, no hard, hard Feelings. Feelings. And check back in this week as we do Dial of Destiny. Yeah, we're new Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny coming out. We see it on Thursday. So we're going to have our review up this Friday. So make sure you come subscribe to us over there. In the meantime, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. And you guys know what to do. Be kind to yourself. Be good to others other people and keep watching movies. Bye.